I didn't want C. McBee to end up the anti-billionaires podcast. But all the news, all the stories that have been coming out are built billionaires that sort of catch your attention and stuff. And they live this very different lifestyle. So, of course, that I think in itself is going to be kind of fascinating. But it's the level of ignorance they seem to actually live in. And I think this is, again, the result of insulating themselves and living this sort of stratified world where they are separate from everyone else. They start to not realize that their lives don't equate to everyone else's life. So, of course, the billionaire of billionaires right now is sort of the poster boy. Uh, and, and the fact that we all know I'm talking about Elon Musk before I even say anything shows you that he's actually messed up. A really good billionaire, you're not going to know his name. You stay behind the scenes. You stay out of the spotlight and stuff. Uh, you don't start your little cult following. There was a story I did a few months ago, and it was about billionaires building bunkers to protect themselves from the upcoming ecological disaster. Because last week, we hit the hottest Monday or the hottest day globally in the world. And they're talking about like crop failures. And this is something we've passed that mark. And it's basically, we're all going to die. And then Tuesday happened and we had another super hot day. So these billionaires are like, we're going to build bunkers. We're going to stock them with food. Of course, I'm going to need people to protect me from the rabble rousers, things like that. Uh, not realizing that the people they're going to pay to protect them are, might turn on them because they're assholes. And so they were having an actual meeting where they were like, well, how do we get these guys to follow our orders when we are essentially useless? Because the only power that billionaires have comes from their wealth. And then when money, when the financial system collapses, they have no wealth. They only have what they can contribute. And a group of military guys that they've hired, I mean, it's more sensible for them to just like, well, just pop one off on this guy. And then we have the bunker and we don't have to listen to this bullshit anymore. And actually everyone in our group will contribute. So they were like literally talking science fiction shock callers and stuff because they're so fucking dumb. They don't realize that the solution to that problem is to be nice. The, the solution to the problem is fix the environment so there is no ecological collapse. Uh, if you want to build loyalty among a group of people, you be nice to them and build loyalty and actually care about them. And then the amount of money you have won't matter anymore. Uh, that was all inconceivable. From that article. So Elon Musk, and again, this is, it's this disconnect that I'm finding the most interesting part because these guys talk about like leading the world, but they're trying to lead a world and they don't seem to understand that there's people in it and they have to be taken care of. Uh, on a much lower level, Elon Musk gave an interview and he's talked about people needing to return from work from home to the offices. This has been a big push. Now, there's a couple of reasons. There's an interesting side notes. The push to go back to the office is not about productivity. They are now couching it in that it's more productive. It's a, your teams work together. People work together. It's better for you. There's all these actual financial papers being written. Uh, I mean, like newspapers, articles and stuff. And they're talking about like how it's unhealthy to be at home alone all day. It's unhealthy to have like this kind of 
disconnect and working through the internet and how you talk to other people and stuff. Except when you talk to people who work from home, they all say they're happier. They all report gains in happiness from working from home. So there's got to be another reason. One of the main other reasons is real estate, financial real estate. If everyone is working from home, all those giant buildings, the towers they've built to represent their their phallicness, uh, those have no value. So we're we've probably locked into contracts. We got that we got to pay for this building for years and years and years. We're locked into it. What are we going to do? We got to bring everyone back in the office to justify the cost that we've already put out to build up this building. It's dumb shit like that. Um, also control. So I don't care if you're less productive. I don't care if if uh, you're less happy. As long as if you're sitting in the desk because I told you to sit at the desk, that's what's important. Uh, my job recently, this is not the same level. My boss was actually very nice about it, but uh, my team tended to leave earlier than a lot of other people because we were more valuable at the beginning of the work day. So I actually, my team came in earlier than the normal work day so we could prep anything. They would be present for the beginning of the work day where they could help other people. And then that would mean their work day ends before other people's work day ends. Now, I was asked to have my team present, a member, not everybody, a member of my team present uh, till the end of the workday to answer phone calls or something like that. So I've, we did that. We sat down. There's five of us. So it's like, okay, everyone take one day. It's not a huge burden on anybody. I made sure, again, trying to be the, the good team leader. I was like, I don't want one person to work late every night. I don't think that's fair. So I wanted to be fair. Fair is very important to me. That's probably, again, why I'm fascinated by these business billionaires and stuff. Because for all their talk about competition and capitalism and stuff, they don't actually ever worry about whether it's fair. And when they use the word right, which is what Elon Musk does in the article I'm going to talk about, uh, I don't think he really gets it. Because it's just fair and honest and good is what he wants or what all these billionaires want. Dave's enjoying the uh, cool floor floor back there. Uh, so, yes, my team was like, okay, we will have one member of the team available and stay till the end of the day every day. So I've been staying late on certain nights, just like everyone else, because it's not like I separated myself from the other members of the team. Even though, again, I probably could have gotten away with it. And I have yet to get a phone call or have a problem that could have been dealt with that, that needed to be dealt with right away in the evening, which is why we ended up with those early shifts in the first place. Anyways, that's irrelevant, I guess. But it was like, again, my way of looking at it was like, this isn't about actually solving problems. This isn't about efficiency or work. This is about everyone gets annoyed that your team leaves earlier. So we have to make it look like you're here with everyone else. So we are. And again, not a big deal because we did it as fair as possible. Uh, Elon Musk is talking about work from home and how he doesn't like work from home and everyone should get back in the office. And he, he doesn't make an argument like, this is what I want. Uh, he just he, he jumps to, it's a moral issue. And it's unfair that people other people are getting away with this thing that he doesn't like. That's really it. 
Okay, so I took so I pulled quotes from multiple articles. So some of it's quotes from Elon Musk, some of it's the writer of the article. So Silicon Valley laptop classes. So he's already said this is a class of people. Uh, the people who work from home are laptop classes. So they get their own grouping, again, to separate them from all other workers. And that's not accidental. He probably doesn't realize he's doing it, but that's not accidental. That's like, I want to talk about this group of people that I'm angry at right now. So if I'm angry at them, well, fuck them. They need to get off their moral high horse with their work from home bullshit. This is all very Elon Musky kind of talking. And I actually, I saw, I thought he was smart until I listened to him talk. I think he has ideas, but he puts those ideas into engineers' hands who are smarter than him. And they make those things happen. So Tesla, uh, I'm not saying it's a good car or a bad car. I've never driven one. I know it has one engineering fault where the back window, so the, the, the boot or the, the trunk, depending on where you're from, if you open it and it's raining, the water goes on, hits the roof and goes into the trunk. That's an engineering fault. Uh, I don't think they're going to admit that's an engineering fault, but it was one of the more interesting aspects of the Tesla to me is that they've talked about how advanced this car is, but at the same time, it's, it's got this like very obvious thing that could be fixed through a little more engineering, but whatever. I saw him on Joe Rogan. This is before I quit Joe Rogan altogether. I couldn't listen to the man talk for more than five or 10 minutes before I was like, this is just inane rambling. But everyone takes him really dead seriously because he's got so much money. And I actually think if you took away his money and he talked, everyone would be like, dude, shut the fuck up. You are so annoying. I work with people like this who are just constantly talking about their great ideas to, to make everything. And then they have an opinion on everything. They haven't taken any time to think about it. They just shoot their mouth. That's Musk. So Musk was discussing return to office imperatives that have caused significant concern among tech workers in Silicon Valley and across the U.S., many of whom were promised generous remote work mandates by top executives. So this is important. He's talking about a group of workers who were made a promise that they could work for home. And now that the situation has changed in some way, again, I think mostly about real estate, they're retracting that promise and they don't see a problem with that. So we've promised you can work from home four days a week, five days a week. Uh, we're not going to take that away. And if you keep working for us and keep productivity high, people took that promise. They took that deal. They're working from home. They're keeping their productivity high. And then they're like, uh, you know what? I kept walking through the office and it was empty and I don't like it. So we're going to take back that promise. And this is something that executive classes do and companies do is they make promises and then feel that it's perfectly acceptable to retract those promises later on. And despite the effect it might have on the worker. And then they would get annoyed if the worker complains or quits that the promise that they were made wasn't fulfilled. Whereas if it happens in the opposite side, this is again, again, about fairness more than anything else. If a worker promise made a promise to a company and did not fulfill that promise, they would be fired. So an executive makes a promise. And this sort of goes into the whole like rich people can do stuff that poor people can't. Changes their mind, goes back on that promise, no fallout. Maybe employees quit, but probably enough of them need their jobs, enough quit, stay. Enough of them actually stay that it doesn't negatively impact the company enough. I mean, 
if we're going to talk about Twitter, which I don't want to spend too much time talking about, because Twitter has just like lost all status in my mind. They did the 600 um, tweet limit for reading the other day. I've never read 600 tweets because I've always gotten so frustrated. Facebook and Twitter and all this stuff. I am three, four minutes in and I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. This just isn't how I want to absorb media. He's, people are saying like he's purposely trashing that company, but it doesn't make sense to purposely trash a company because it's just his losses. So I don't know what's really going on, but I think this might actually be, he makes decisions. He makes those decisions happen. He's not listening to anyone else. He thinks he knows what he's doing and he doesn't. So he's actually running this company into the ground. Threads just is coming out now from Meta and it's the Twitter clone. I was vaguely interested in just what it looked like, but then I just stopped. I'm like, I don't want to be on another Twitter. I don't, I just don't want to do these things anymore. I'm not a big fan of social media. So this social media conflict is really driving me away from social media overall. So then we get to the statement that I really enjoyed. I think the whole notion of work from home is a bit like the fake Marie Antoinette quote, let them eat cake, Musk said. It's not just a productivity thing. I think it's morally wrong. So he's saying that the fact that employees may be productive from home, maybe even more productive from home uh, than they are in the office. Because I certainly, I work in an open concept office. Most Japanese offices are. And I actually find it's very hard to get stuff done. If I have to write something or create something, I cannot do it in that office because there's people talking around me. Uh, there's people who like just turn around and start just talking to me all the time. Uh, completely unimportant stuff that could wait. They don't notice that you're working. So you being always accessible and available means they are always accessing you, even if it's unnecessary. Because there's no effort on their part. They just turn around and like shout at you. Morally wrong is weird. He does say people should get off their goddamn moral high horse with the work from home bullshit. But that doesn't explain why. Like, why is it morally wrong for someone to work in a more comfortable environment than to go to the office and work? And a lot of articles, I actually looked at about four articles, and none of them actually put in the, the secondary quote. So I found a set, another article that actually did. And they, they did the full-on, let's not edit his quote. It's like, really, you're going to work from home, and you're going to make everyone else who made your car come into the factory? Musk said, you're going to make the people who make your food that gets delivered, that they can't work from home. You know, people that fix your home, they can't work from home, but you can. Does that seem morally right? That's messed up. So Elon Musk has created, created an equivalency in all employment. So he's saying, construction workers don't get to work from home. So you shouldn't get to work from home. People who work in factories don't get to work at home. So you shouldn't get to work from home. People who, but then I'm like, why do you get to work in an office if everyone else has to work somewhere else? So the, the equivalency falls apart when you go in the other direction. So why do these, like construction workers have to work outside because they're building stuff. Why do you get to work in an office? You could get your laptop and go sit out in the sun and type on your laptop and be just as productive and it would be super uncomfortable because you're sitting out in the sun all day. 
But these, it's morally wrong for you to get to sit in an air-conditioned office while construction workers are outside in the heat. Uh, the factory, factories, depending on where you are in the world, we have sweatshops. Why do you get to work in an office while other people work in factories? So his justification, his equivalency falls apart because the thing he's saying, like you should have to work in an office because other people don't get to stay home. But why do you get to stay in an office when other people have to stay outside or work in factories? So his equivalency falls apart when you actually try to make, like when you try to equalize jobs, so everyone, everything should be fair. That's morally right. So we just take his argument. We want to make it morally right. We want to make everything fair. When, how is it fair? Because the problem is the nature of certain jobs in certain industries. So tech jobs require a computer. You need to work on a computer. You actually, to be productive in that way, probably need a quiet environment. It's, it's the construction worker bit and the factory worker bit and the office bit are not equivalencies. They all have to leave home to go to their jobs, but the jobs are different. So I work on a computer. A construction worker works outside building stuff, like actually putting you know wood and con- pouring concrete and putting uh, girders up. Why does one worker get to work in a air-conditioned, comfortable crane while another one has to like pour concrete in the sun? Because they have different jobs. And they kind of know that going in because they've applied or worked for that job. And one guy has actually got a license to run a crane and the other one hasn't. Uh, Why do I get to work on my computer working for whatever company in a technology position and the guy who delivers my food has to leave home to deliver my food? Well, because he's taken a job delivering food. And the nature of delivering food means you have to go places to bring the food to the people who are paying you to do that. But that's an inherent agreement upon the creation of employment. And it actually is part of the promise that the company makes. Like the company's like, we're going to pay you to go outside. We're going to pay you this much money to go outside and build a building. We're going to pay you this much money to take food from the restaurant to this guy who's working from home. And yeah, it sucks. That guy works from home and I have to drive around all day delivering food. And there are people, there are social people and stuff who do want to work in the office. I'm not saying they shouldn't work in the office. Uh, I think really what it is, is these billionaires and stuff, there is a secondary reason that they can't say out loud. And I think, again, it has a lot to do with um, uh, downtown and rent and big buildings that they own more than anything else. It has very little to do with morality, which is what they always claim. So the second part, which actually relates to my introduction, is the boss of Cartier. Cartier, in my head, is jewelry and watches, but I don't actually know. When we come to luxury fashion brands, I actually don't know what I'm talking about. So anything I say about this very possibly could be incorrect. But the multi-billionaire owner of the luxury, oh, jewelry company. Okay, I got that right has revealed his greatest fear, robots replacing workers and the poor rising up to bring down the rich. Speaking to the Financial Times Business of Luxury Summit in Monaco, I mean, fuck me. (laughs) That title, 
Financial Times Business of Luxury Summit and where in Monaco is one of the richest things I've ever heard. Uh, The fashion tycoon told his fellow elite that he can't sleep at night at the thought of social upheaval he thinks is imminent. So this relates to the billionaires building a bunker. And he's saying the problem is what we're going to do is put so many people out of work. This is actually Judge Dredd. So the Judge Dredd storyline, the premise of that world, is they have a 92-93% unemployment rate. So they have to feed everybody. So they feed everybody to keep them alive. Again, morally, that's right. But everyone's so bored, crime is through the roof. And there are so many people, so much overpopulation, that the death penalty is just doled out all the time. So the punishment for like very small crimes is death because human life has no value. But that, of course, creates riots and stuff. This guy, Johann Rupert, told the conference to bear in mind that when the poor rise up, the middle class won't want to buy luxury goods for fear of exposing their wealth. Now, what he's not necessarily failed to mention, but probably hasn't taken into account, the middle class is shrinking. The divestment of funds is so great that you're only going to have super rich and poor, and there's going to be so many poor, they are going to take you take over. They are going to take you down. He said he's been reading about changes in labor technology, as well as recent Oxfam figures suggesting the top 1% of the global population now owns more wealth than the other 99%. How is society going to cope with structural unemployment and the envy, hatred, and the social warfare, he said. We are destroying the middle class at this stage, and it will affect us. It's unfair. So that's what's going to keep me awake at night. So my thought, was let's look at his statements and see if we can solve his problem. He's saying that uh, the changes in labor technology are going to make more people unemployed. There could be other ways we could employ those people. You could create social programs of middle class or poor people helping other people. We could talk about education. We could just talk about training. We could just talk about how we have all these machines how to maintain these machines. Now you might get to the point where the machines take care of other machines. Uh, That means there's going to be more need for social welfare and more need for social workers. So you actually could end up with a society where the machines are doing all the labor and then people are taking care of other people. This idea has not entered this man's head. Uh, How is society going to go? So the Oxfam figures suggesting the top 1% of the global population now owns more than wealth than the other 99%. Here's a radical concept. You could give away some of your wealth. That is the bit is inconceivable to them. So you have 99% of the value wealth in the world. And you are concerned that people are going to kill you because you have 99% of the wealth, it is very possible you could give away 20% of your wealth and not get killed. The idea of generosity, the idea of caring for other people, the idea of taking care of society as a whole, they are completely devoid of that as a concept. How His concern is like, I have 99% of the wealth. How do I stop people from getting angry at me and killing me for having all the wealth. Again, I didn't even suggest he give away all his money. I'm saying if you were generous 
if you took care of the people around you, if you spent 20% of your wealth giving back to society at large, you would be seen as a good person. And then when the revolution does come, they're like, we're going to kill Elon Musk because he wanted, he made us go back to the office and we didn't want to. But this Cartier guy, man, he created social programs. He educated children. That guy put me through college. Uh, he's still rich, but he's a good one. Let's leave him alone. People would actually protect him from the other people. And say, this is a good one. He could use his 99% of wealth in the world to take care of people. And again, that is inconceivable because then if you're doing that, you're not holding on to the wealth. It's not your wealth. You don't have the power. The power to positively affect society is inconceivable because it's not, the only way you hoard that much wealth is because you never want to give any of it away. So how is society, and again, when he says society, he's not talking about society. How is the elite billionaire society going to cope with structural unemployment? So his usage of the word society is already a misnomer because he's not talking about society. He's talking about rich people and poor people. Society in his view, this quote was very revealing to me, is only rich people. So the people who are not in that society, who are not rich, do not count. That's why he doesn't think about like, hey, maybe I should take care of poor people. Maybe I should raise up the lower classes in some way. Maybe I should do more training and education. Maybe I should create social welfare. Because that, again, do it in a, for a completely self-interested reason. Because that means I can protect myself. That would be valuable. Protecting myself is valuable. But they don't see that because I got to do that and keep all the money. So how is society, how are rich people going to cope with structural unemployment and the envy, hatred, and the social warfare? You could start doing now something to stop the envy and the hatred. So either make poor people rich or start taking care of poor people so that they don't hate you. Those are the two choices. And it's really obvious to me as a middle-class person that if I had more money, if I had enough money to take care of my family, I didn't have to worry about it. The next step with the more money I have would be like, well, let's see what I can do for other people. Now, that's not necessarily true. My, that's my attitude now. Whereas if I got rich, maybe I'm like, oh, I got all this money. Maybe I can get more money. And then I end up joining this society that he's talking about. He does say this is the most self-aware part. We are destroying the middle class. And at this stage, it will affect us. So he's saying like, we are destroying the barrier. The barriers, we need a healthy middle class is better for the economy. That's actually something I learned a while ago. That the problem with having an elite strata group that has all the money is when you have an economic issue, they cannot spend enough to solve the problem. What you want, instead of a billionaire spending a million dollars, you want a million middle-class people spending an extra couple thousand dollars. And then you will make up the difference significantly and that will actually fix your economy. The foreign minister of China was one of the most interesting men I had ever read about. It was this is not the, previ- the, the current one. This was one of the previous ones. And the, he would, did an interview and they said, you're putting a ton of money into Indonesia. Why are you doing that? And he's like, oh, people in Indonesia are too poor to buy our products. So we want to raise up their economic level so that they have enough money to buy our products. And so he was saying, I'm doing this incredibly kind, generous thing. I am taking the base level of poverty in Indonesia and moving it upwards so that everyone in society has more money. 
for a completely self-interested reason so they can buy stuff from China. But he's he's being completely honest about it. He's like, look, I, I am doing a great morally correct thing for a completely selfish reason, but who cares? If everyone in Indonesia now has a higher standard of living, they're not going to be unhappy about the fact that they buy more Chinese shit. So we are destroying the middle class at this stage. It will affect us. It's unfair. Uh, that's actually not true. It's not unfair. This, again, we are destroying the middle class, dot, dot, dot. It's unfair. If you're doing the destroying, it's not unfair that the consequences affect you. So that's, again, where it falls apart. Like, you can see that he doesn't understand. I'm rich and amazing and awesome. Everyone should love me. I'm destroying the world. It's unfair that people might hate me for it. And then his final sentence, so that's what keeps me awake at night. And I think it should, because again, he's essentially talking about an inevitability where the economic situation we live in now is not sustainable. Billionaires have created themselves as a separate hated class. If you listen to last week's CMIGB, where I talk about the function of empathy in society, people rising up and killing Elon Musk, people rising up and killing this, the Cartier guy, what's his name? Uh, Johann Rupert, very rich name. Elon Musk, Johann Rupert. These are very, very rich names. People rising up and kill them. You're not going to get any sympathy in media. It's just going to be people going like, ah, they killed Elon. What a big surprise. Ah, they killed Rupert. And that is the downfall of this billionaire class is they, they are failing to see that they are actually part of society. And as they separate themselves from society and destroy the society around them, they cannot escape that. And that's what they want to do. They think they have so much money, they should be able to escape any consequence. The consequences sooner or later will come. And I actually think it's not going to be social up, uprising. I think it's going to be crop failure. So I said at the very beginning, we had the hottest day. We're going to pass that threshold. Crops will fail. When there's no food to go around, yes, the billionaires will have food for a while. But when they're the only ones who have food, people will come for the food. It's not even about billionaires. It's not about morality. It's not about what's what right. It's like you have food. There's 8,000 people outside who want that food. They're going to get it. You could have your private military and stuff. You're not going to stop them. I mean, that's just the end of the day. Sooner or later, they will overrun you. And uh, yeah, it should keep you up at night. And uh, the thing is, it should keep you up at night trying to find ways to solve the problem, which actually would be spending some of your money on other people and creating a better society. That's actually the short version. The problem is the billionaires have the ability to create a better society for everyone. And all they want to do is create a better society for themselves. And that's what's going to destroy them in the end.